hey, do you know what yesterday was? Yesterday in the future, not yesterday. Today, yesterday, but yesterday when this podcast will air yesterday. President's Day. I'm so impressed that you were able to get that with my vague description. <laughs> you didn't prep me for it at all. No, this no. is completely natural. Mm. Mm-hmm. In honor of President's Day, I wanted to ask a very, very you know, heavy question. Hmm. Do you have a favorite non-living president? FDR. Yeah? Yeah. Why? Uh, he got the U.S. through the Great Depression and World War II. He was the only president to be elected four times. He didn't make it through his fourth term because he died. Mm. But, you know, he's also the reason we have two term limits. It's funny that you picked FDR because my favorite non-living president is Teddy Roosevelt. They're cousins, right? Uh, I think he's like the grandnephew or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, they are related. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, um, FDR is Franklin D. Roosevelt. And Teddy Roosevelt, do you know why? I know why. Tell our listeners why. Because he created the first national park, which was Yellowstone National Park, home of Old Faithful and Grand Prismatic Spring and Yellowstone Falls, made famous by Ansel Adams. Ansel Adams. Sorry, that was like way too much information in one go. I really love the national park system. So the fact that Teddy Roosevelt got that started makes me very, very happy. And hey, the national parks are go right along with today's episode. Hi there, neighbors. Welcome back to the next town over. I'm Carson Costa, and I'm here with my co-host, Nicole Bennett. Sup? Today, we're going for our Wilderness Explorer badges, so dig out your hiking boots and grab the fire starter kit, because we're discussing the pros, cons, and cultural differences of backpacking, camping, and glamping. So, camping. Yeah. The Oxford English Dictionary definition of camping is the activity of spending a holiday living in a tent. Specifically the tent. Specifically the tent. Yeah. Yes. Which is going to come into play later. So just in case you have never heard of this activity before, which I think would be pretty strange, but we just thought it'd be fun to, you know. Maybe you're an alien from another planet. Let's. Just in case. Describe it to you. So what you do is you pack up a bunch of outdoorsy stuff and you haul it out to a campsite at a location and you set up your tent and you sleep on the ground in a sleeping bag inside the tent. And you cook food on a little camp stove or possibly over a campfire. You roast marshmallows because it's, I don't think it counts as camping if you don't roast, roast marshmallows. Mm-hmm. No. And you spend time in the outdoors and do outdoorsy things. Typically with other people. It's more fun with other people. Yep. Anything to add to that? We will purposely leave our well-constructed, temperature-controlled, indoor plumbing homes to live in a canvas dwelling for a couple of days in the dirt. Yeah. And we call it fun. Yeah. Which it is. It is fun. However, it is an interesting concept to be like, you know what would be great? To spend this weekend under a tree laying in dirt. Yes. Well, it is With bugs and bears and... The outdoors. Yeah, but you bring games and stuff. My parents and I, we always brought Yahtzee. We play Yahtzee. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I definitely have a lot of fun. Like, especially if you yeah. find a place that has, like, a picnic table. I love camping. Yeah. I, no, I love camping, too. I just, the concept of it is 
Yeah, let's leave our well-constructed homes to go live in the dirt for a bit. And then go home. <laughs> and then go home. I mean, it's great, though. I love the connecting with nature. I love seeing animals and flowers. And especially, you always go to different places and see different things. Like, I remember there was one campsite we stayed at that this campground was covered in banana slugs. No, we were fascinated by them. I mean, they weren't everywhere. You weren't walking around and just stepping on them every time you took a step, but they were just sort of all over the place and they're fascinating, bright yellow little slugs and they're kind of adorable. They have these little antenna. (laughs) They're really cute. And we were just fascinated by them and I kept playing with them and like moving them places and stuff. I'm sure they were very irritated with me, but I loved it as a child. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned watching the slugs. We, we all went camping one time and one of my sisters looks at me and says, what do you think ants think about? Because <laughs> we were just watching ants run around on the ground and we just had this whole conversation about their culture and their lives <laughs> and how much of it is. It, yeah. I don't know. We, we don't study bugs at all, but we just, yeah, full conversation about like the lives of yeah. ants. So it's a great opportunity to, you know, think about things that you wouldn't normally think about and see parts of nature that you wouldn't normally and get a little closer to the flora and the fauna fauna in the world. I love camping. It's being good to disconnect from your devices and reconnect with the people in your lives. Yes. Or if you're on your own, really connect to yourself. I did a kind of road trip where I was camping. I went to seven national parks. No, I went to eight national parks and one national monument in seven days. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a crazy week, but I was on my own and driving from place to place and at the campsite on my own. And it was actually really, really cool. I felt connected to myself in a way that I never had before afterwards. And that's actually what made me want to do van life. It's Awesome. So some pros, the great outdoors. We talked about that a little bit already. And a lot of places that you camp, there's a lot of hiking opportunities nearby or fishing opportunities or swimming opportunities. Lots of those sorts of places near these campsites. Uh, Tech Detox, you talked about a little bit. Put your phones Mm -hmm. down and enjoy the outdoors. I think that that at this point in time might scare a lot of people because they're really attached to their phones. But I really, really love it. I actually was mad. We used to go to Death Valley every year. And I loved that there was no cell service out there because I was under no obligation to like respond to messages or talk to anyone or check my emails or anything. Everybody knew I was going to Death Valley and there was no cell service out there. And I remember one year we went out there and I kept expecting my cell service to drop out and it didn't. And I was so mad. And I was like, I'm lying to everyone. I'm telling them all that there is still no cell service here. And I'm turning my phone off and I'm putting it away. Because <laughs> it's really it's really refreshing to have that time completely to yourself and disconnected. I agree. You get a lot of new experiences while camping. Uh, you experience things differently, too. You know, cooking is a whole new experience when you're camping as opposed to when you're in a kitchen. Things like that. Exploring nearby areas. You can find new favorite spots. One time... My dad and sister were out camping at one lake, and my dad wanted to go hike up the mountain, follow the river over here. We found one of our favorite backpacking spots that we went to almost every year, sometimes a couple times a year since then. We wouldn't have found that if we hadn't been futzing around and checking out the area. That's that was, really cool. So that led to a completely new aspect of our family dynamic and family life. Yeah. It can be a fun opportunity to try new 
new activities too. If you're staying at a campground that maybe has some kayaks for rent or something like that, you can try out those sorts of activities, which can be really fun. Campfires. I love a campfire. Sitting around the campfire, it just, you feel so like you're in a little world of your own with the people that you're with. I always find that sitting around a campfire, you end up sharing deeper thoughts and feelings. You really bond a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Plus s'mores. 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 Who doesn't love a s'more? I might just watch the fire. Yeah. Fire is fun. I knew a kid when we were younger that he liked to put different kinds of trash into the fire to make it turn different colors. Yeah. They have little pellets now that you can put into fires to make it different colors. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's fun. We got my dad some of those like little pellet sticks or whatever for um, uh, part of a Christmas gift or something. Mm-hmm. Ew, they worked pretty well. It was nice. fun. And again, it's a great opportunity to bond. You're kind of stuck in close quarters with whoever you're with for an extended period of time. You know, much closer quarters than even sharing a hotel room with them. But it can be very, very fun. The cons, it can be challenging physically. I know as my parents are getting older, um, they're realizing that traditional primitive camping isn't really as easy for them anymore because it's it can be hard for them to sleep on the ground. It can also be expensive. There's a lot of equipment involved. And if you're just starting out, going out and buying all this equipment at once is a hefty price tag. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing it a lot, then, you know, obviously you have the equipment and you might have to get it fixed up once in a while, but generally it's not going to be the same, quite as expensive. You get very, very dirty. Yes. Everything gets very, very dirty. And you don't have uh, as easy of access to washing things off. Which actually that brings me to a point too. Do not (laughs) face your tent opening into the wind. Because it will blow all of the dust inside your tent, (laughs) which is not fun at all. Yeah. You get the weirdest, like, well, not weirdest. You don't really have a choice of sleeping in. It's kind of more difficult because uh, it's just going to be bright at sunrise. Yeah. I mean, unless you're, like, in the trees and you have a lot shade, you know, shade a lot longer. Mm -hmm. You're waking up early. (laughs) Plus, that's usually the coldest point of the day Mm -hmm. is, like, just before sunrise. So a lot of times you'll wake up because you're cold. Be like, okay, well, I'm awake now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's bright. And then as soon as the sun hits your tent, it becomes, like, an oven. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Very early in the morning, it'll get really hot in there. (laughs) So I definitely think that one of the downsides of tent camping is uh, no sleeping in. I think of it as an upside, though, because I actually – I am a morning person when I get up early – I just find it difficult to actually get up early on a regular basis. But when I do, I love it. And so tent camping, I always get up early and I'm like, this is so great. <laughs> yeah, I'm a night owl. I am happy to stay up with that fire all night. Mm. So. Except then you you are arisen then, early. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know what? You can take naps when you're camping. Mm. I love me a good midday camping nap. Works better if you have shade over your tent because otherwise, again, oven. Yeah, or like you know, put a chair in the tr- uh, chair in the trees. Oh, there you go. Shade or hammock. Mm-hmm. Ooh, a yeah. hammock. Gotta love a hammock. Love hammocks. Another con: campfire smoke. <laughs> it always follows you, no matter it where you go. Through. And it just it makes everything reek. Oh God! And it burns your eyes. It's a problem. But somehow it manages to hit everyone, no matter where they are at around the campfire. <laughs> Everyone's always moving. Like, oh, it smokes in my eyes. And you're like, how does it? How does it hit every one of us? Yeah. The other thing I would say is too much bonding. There's definitely a point where you're like, I am so sick of you. (laughs) I remember we laugh about it now, but my friend 
she came with us to Death Valley one year. And we had a tent, and then my parents had had a tent. Like I said, that close quarters, you, there's a lot of bonding happening, which was great at first. But then by the end of the week, we were so fed up with each other. We had this massive blow-up fight where we swore we were never going to talk to each other again and stormed off in different directions. You guys are both only children, right? Yeah, we're both only children. That makes a lot of sense. And again, love her to pieces, but that was that was the biggest fight we've ever had. So I think there is such a thing as too much togetherness. Yeah. So, but camping can be really great. There is, I don't know, what do you say the culture around camping is like? Because I feel like we always made friends with the people at the campsites near us because there is kind of a little bit of a, of a bond that like, hey, we're all out here together. You know, there's no walls between your campsite and mine. Uh, so, you know, my mom always called them our campsite neighbors and we would make friends with them. Uh, we didn't do a whole lot of tent camping growing up, mm. but we did a lot of, you know, camping in a trailer and whatnot. And we made friends and stuff with our neighbors in those campsites. Mm. Um, my parents especially. They all have new ways of doing things. And when you meet people who camp differently from you, you can get lots of new tips and techniques and tricks on things. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think that there's a lot of self-sufficiency involved as well because you are basically going out and saying like, oh, I'm going to, you know, figure out a way to live out in nature without all of the common amenities I'm used to. And that can be difficult to adjust to at first, but you figure out ways of doing things. Our recommendations, if you want to get started camping and have never done it before, start small, please. Small as you can. Start very, very small. Your own backyard. That is a great place to start because then you can kind of run through it and get the sense of what it's like uh, before you go out on big two-week camp out (laughs) in the middle of nowhere at a campground that only has three campsites and... No toilets. No toilets. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, just make sure you turn off the sprinklers. But then, yeah, um, even just starting small in terms of going to a local campground near you. Campgrounds are literally everywhere. I guarantee you wherever you live, there is a campground within 20 miles of you. Yeah. It might be a really basic campground. Might be totally dry and not have any facilities whatsoever. Which dry is what they say when there's no running water. But... There will be a campground. And staying close to home is great because if you forget something, then you can go back for it. And it's not that big of a deal. So we recommend starting close to home and starting with like a weekend as opposed to a full week. Also, like we said, the equipment, if you buy it all at once, it can definitely get kind of expensive to start. So borrowing from friends or neighbors or renting can help you cut expenses. And if you do want to buy some stuff, look through thrift stores first. They might have some old sleeping bags that maybe has a hole in it you can fix up. Just make sure it's functional. Yeah, be be very careful with that because if you're going to buy something like a tent, construct that thing in the store before you buy it because if there's one piece missing, the entire thing will not work. Yeah, or it'll be very frustrating and difficult to like replace that one pole. You're like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Or even if there's like one coupler missing on one pole. Yeah. Then that would be, it would make the whole thing, like it it wouldn't connect properly. And then the entire tent would be useless. So, uh, and then you'd have to replace that coupler in order to make it work. So make sure that you 
anything like that, construct it in the store. Don't just look for the pieces, construct it. At least if you're buying thrift. Yeah. If you're buying it new, then I wouldn't worry about it so much. Definitely bring more food than you think you'll need. Uh, it's always going to be prepared in case something happens, you get stranded. And also, camping is hard work. I mean, you may not be actively doing much. You might be sitting around reading a book a lot, but you are living outdoors. And that is inherently more strenuous than living at home. Yeah. So you're going to eat more. As you should. That's one of the beautiful things about camping is that you have you, food. Yes. You get to snack and treat yourself and make a checklist because there's a lot of things involved here. You need flashlights, lanterns, sleeping bags, pillows, sleeping pads, the tent or the rain slicker for the tent, cup, mug, silverware, plates, cookware. I Like the list just goes on and on and on. And if you're dry camping, um, consider how you're having access to water Mm -hmm. are you bringing a couple gallons of water to drink and otherwise using a nearby creek or river or lake for other things in which case you need some way to treat the water are you planning on boiling it using iodine tablets a Um, pump filter yes there so definitely make a checklist because all of these things are kind of vital (laughs) water especially yeah and it really sucks to forget something. Um, I remember one time I like, I think we forgot a pillow. So I was stuffing all my clothes into my backpack to use as a pillow. And it was not at all comfortable. No. Segwaying from camping into backpacking, which is like camping, except Oxford English Dictionary says you travel or hike carrying one's belongings in a rucksack, which for my American friends is a backpack. Yeah. <laughs> Hence, backpacking. Ta-da. <laughs> Again, if we're describing this for you as if you've never heard of this thing before, it is complete and utter mystery to you. Everything we said about camping more or less applies, except you're going to have a lot less stuff with you because you have to carry it all on your back. It's a far more bare bones and crude version of camping. And typically you're hiking into wherever it is you're going. You don't just drive up and set up camp. Yeah. You'll drive or arrive in an area and then hike into an area that you cannot get to by car. Which is part of the one of the perks is that you're getting to see some beautiful scenery and, hi- and getting the hike in. Yeah. Which is always really cool and fun. However, it does mean that if you forgot something... That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta... There's no going back for it. No. I mean, unless it's a really short hike, which we will talk about later because that's one of our tips. Right. But yeah, once you're out there, you're kind of on your own. Yeah. So make sure that's where that checklist really matters. It really comes in handy. And again, it's much more rugged, much more limited. You're probably... You might bring a deck of cards, but you're not going to be bringing like games and stuff with you. You might bring a book, but probably not multiple books. And actually, every time I took a book backpacking, my parents made fun of me. <laughs> they were like, you are seriously not, you really want to carry that book all the way out there. And I was like, yes, I do. I absolutely do. 100%. <laughs> and they were like, you're going to regret it later. I never did. No. But they told me I would. Yeah, of course. And some people would. Yeah. Some people would be like, this extra weight is awful. <laughs> and I think I did complain about the weight, but I still was really glad to have the book. <laughs> yeah. My uh, dad and I have gone well, my sisters have joined too, but we've gone down into this canyon and it's like, it's seven or eight miles down into this canyon of rough terrain. It's a hike. We spend a couple of nights down there to make it worth the effort. And sometimes, you know, we will go with the intention of burning clothes at the bottom the day before we leave or like the night before we leave. Like, burning clothes. Mm-hmm. Because we'll go down, we'll bring the most 
ratty old sweatshirts or really torn apart jeans that we wear like while we're in camp that really they're, they're, they've seen the last of their days. So we'll wear them while we're down there and then burn them the, wow. night, the night before we leave or like that morning before we pack up and leave so that we have just that much less weight to carry out. To carry out. So it's just that some of your clothes. Some of the are. things gets left behind, yeah. like uh, old weird socks that have one too many holes that you're like, yeah, it's fine while well, we're walking around camp. But yeah. when I get home, I'm not going to want these anymore. So you mm. burn them. Wow. I, hmm, interesting. I've not, never done that. Yeah. We don't do that often. It's just for this one hike that's right. pretty rough getting out of it. Because, again, eight miles out of a canyon yeah, rough, is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so backpacking is typically how one through hikes, which you might have heard about some famous through hikes, such as the Pacific Crest Trail or El Camino de Santiago in Spain and Portugal, and France, I think. I think it goes through France, too. Yeah, when you're hiking these massive hikes, which will go for weeks or months, people backpack. You carry all of your supplies with you on your back, and it is extremely difficult. Do not advise attempting that without much training, Being which a well lot of people prepared. did after the book Wild came out and the movie came out. There was, there was a lot of women that have never been hiking in their lives that were like, I'm going to through hike. It was like, no, you're not. I, would say, I mean, some people can pull it off for sure, but you're going to be really miserable. I highly recommend training. Starting out small so you can work your way up. Yes. <laughs> Backpacking has also become a popular form of travel to cities rather than the outdoors, particularly backpacking through Europe. You'll see that a lot, which I do think is quite different than traditional backpacking because... You don't have to carry your tent and your cooking supplies and your you know, flashlight, all that stuff with you. It's mostly just your clothes and things. It's just that you're using a backpack as an easier form of relocating frequently. It's when you're living more nomadically. Mm-hmm. Pros of backpacking. So it provides access to more remote places, which we talked about a little bit. This is how you get to places that you can't drive to. If you want to visit places that don't have roads that are just so far outside of civilization, then the only way to get there often is backpacking. And sometimes it's only a mile or two off of the road. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a couple of places my family has frequented where we pull over to the side of the road or like there's a stop and you hike maybe a mile to the lake or whatever, and you're still backpacking. But it's a really great way to start out and everything's close and it is still more remote, so you can't drive in, which is some of my favorite times is because it's like, I can see the car. However, I'm a good chunk, a good distance away and yeah, practicing all the skills you need to backpack. Right. Which speaking of skills, you get a lot of self-sufficiency with backpacking. It gives you that that feeling of being self-sufficient, but it also forces you to actually be self-sufficient and learn those skills you learn how to build and start a fire like do all the things in the woods erect <laughs> a tent or if you don't have a tent building a lean-to i've done that before yeah we've been out backpacking didn't bring a tent because the weather was supposed to be really nice mm-hmm. and we were just gonna sleep under the stars and lo and behold storm came through so we built a lean-to with mm-hmm. rope and tarps and worked out great. Nice. That's awesome. And speaking of stars, oh, that's a massive pro of backpacking. I mean, it can be for camping too, but oftentimes campsites are still close enough to civilization that you get a lot of that light pollution. When you go backpacking and you're just in the middle of nowhere, the stars are amazing. Speaking about like bonding over the campfire, 
Bonding while watching the stars is another one of those deeper discussions. It makes you feel super small and infinite at the same time. Yeah. So fantastic. Cool. And so it opens up those those doors. Yeah. yeah. As far as cons, this is definitely a lot more challenging physically. I mean, even just a lot more challenging than camping because you're not just sleeping on the ground. You have to carry all this stuff out there. So, but hey, it's a great workout. Yeah. <laughs> You're limited in how much you can bring and your supplies. Everything that you bring, you have to carry. So you literally can only bring what you can carry. And that includes food. Yeah. Because as, as great of a fisher as you might think you are, you got to bring extra food. You have to bring yeah. all and of your meals. Be prepared. And sometimes that even includes your water. Yeah. Because you don't know if you're going to have access to clean water. Exactly. Yeah. And if you thought you got dirty while camping, <laughs> you're going to get real dirty while backpacking. <laughs> because, yeah, you camping, you can pack up the tent and throw it in the car. If backpacking, you pack the tent up and put it back in your backpack and it's... So dirty and all over you. Your mm-hmm. backpack's dirty and that's going on your body. Yeah. Well, a lot of campgrounds, too, will have some sort of shower. That does not exist when you're backpacking. And those rivers are cold when you want to rinse off. Mm. Yeah. Or lakes. Yeah. Or very cold. Although I've definitely done laundry in rivers. You just kind of get some of the basic dirt off and you just hang them up on a clothesline. It helps, but you're still dirty. Yeah. <laughs> you're very dirty. Or for women especially with, or people with long hair. Uh, oh my god yeah it's tangled it's messy there's no way of fixing it you just kind of put it up and hope for the best yes yeah which i it can be a little freeing at first it gets old kind of fast for me though personally (laughs) yeah i a couple nights i'm pretty happy to do it for three or four nights and then i'm ready to have a shower and a toilet and a warm comfy bed yeah by day four i need i'm I'm desperate for a shower. Our recommendations for beginners, a lot of the same ones as for camping. So refer to that. And then in addition, safety first. A lot of times when you're backpacking, you're not going to have cell service. So bring a sat phone or other emergency device. I had a spot device that I could push a button and it would send my GPS to my parents. Um, And also I could push another button and it would alert emergency personnel. So that was a handy little device, kind of expensive, but, you know, worth it if it saves your life. Yeah. And always, 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 always tell someone where you will be, including GPS coordinates. Don't just say, I'm going to be up on Carson Pass because that is a massive area to cover if they need to send emergency personnel to you. So with GPS coordinates of where you're planning on making your camp and what time they can expect you to be back. Because if you don't come back, They need to know when they should panic and where to send the emergency personnel. Obviously, you might take a hike from your camp and not be at your camp when you get into trouble. But if they have the exact GPS coordinates of your camp, they can go straight there and then fan out from there. Yeah, they'll have the search and rescue team has a starting point. They have a starting point. As opposed to if you just say, oh, I'm going backpacking up Carson Pass. It's like, where? Yeah, now they have <laughs> acres and acres of land to search. Yeah, acres is, is being generous. Being generous. <laughs> yeah, my dad was on search and rescue and the amount of times people realized, hey, this car has been sitting here for days. Um, We don't know if the person, you know, is coming back, if they're in trouble. So they would just go out after a while and be like, well... Hopefully, there's no one in trouble because they wouldn't have told anyone that they were going camping and that they were going to be on for hours or days. Yeah. 
So, yeah, make sure other people know where exactly you're going and when you should be back. Yes. And I know we've repeated that a lot, but it's very, very it's important. vital. If you take nothing else out of this episode, please take that away from it. Mm-hmm. We want you to be safe, neighbors. Please. We, we love you. We want you back in our neighborhood. Yeah. Also, I recommend practicing with your pack. Do a few hikes with your with all of your stuff in your pack before you actually go out backpacking, um, shorter hikes, to get an idea of what it actually feels like to hike with your pack. Because I think a lot of people underestimate how difficult it's going to be. Traps will rub you in weird ways. You know, you may not think that that bump on the back is going to be a problem until you're three miles in and it's wearing a hole yeah. in your skin. Yeah. Well, and also, when you first put it on, it doesn't feel that heavy. No. But three miles later, it, it's heavy. It's heavy. Like, we train with those backpacks and stuff, but by mile 12, it's a lot heavier. A lot heavier than it was at mile three. Yeah. One thing my dad um, really drilled into us is make sure you can get your pack on yourself. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will say, hey, honey, will you help me put this backpack on while they're testing it out? Mm-hmm. But if you can't get it on and off by yourself, that's also an issue. Yeah. And make sure that you learn about local flora and fauna, at the very least, what is dangerous and poisonous in the area. Because the last thing you want is to hike up six miles and then wander into some poison oak and be six miles from medical care. Medical care while you're dealing with poison oak. Don't eat weird berries. And, you know, if there's bears, then you're going to need to know how to store your food properly so that the bears don't come and... Which is unlike in campgrounds where they'll often have bear boxes if there are bears in the area. Yeah. When you're backpacking, you have other ways of doing that. Yeah. Look look up what's best for where you're going hiking. Yes. And again, that's why look up the local flora and fauna. Find out what's dangerous. And I think it can be helpful, too, in case you do get lost or get stranded or something, to know some, some of the good ones, too. Some good flora that you could eat. And that... Might be difficult because some of these things are hard to distinguish. But if there's a couple of local flowering bushes or berries or something that are edible and easy to distinguish, that's a good thing to know just in case. There's a fun little ditty. White and yellow kill a fellow. Purple and blue are good for you. Red are a fun little in-between zone. Make sure you know what that berry is before you eat it. But purple Mm -hmm. and blue berries are most of the time edible. White and yellow ones are not. Yeah. But, you know, don't use that as, like, a, just a sample. Just Yeah, don't just go around eating blueberries or purple berries just because I said that. Like, look into it. But that's it's a but, generally good yeah. rule of thumb. And if you are in a situation where you've been stranded and you absolutely have to eat something or die <laughs> and you find some purple berries, then... Ch- your chances are probably pretty good. Yeah. But, but do not... Yeah. But again, we're, we're it's not a always rule. Also, please learn some basic first aid. You don't need to know how to reset a dislocated shoulder, but, you know, know how to deal with, like, cuts and things in the wilderness so things don't get infected. Stuff like that. Or something common that happens because you're hiking, you get blisters on your feet. Yeah. Learn how best to deal with blisters. Something my dad always carried around was a little bit of a moleskin, and you cut a little hole in it to fit around the blister because then it provides a little barrier. It's great. But, I mean, things like that because... You're bound to have injuries. Yes, when it you're, will happen. Yeah, it'll happen. So just, yeah, have basic first aid.
Okay, glamping. So according to the Oxford English Dictionary, once again, we're going back there. This is a form of camping involving accommodation and facilities more luxurious than those associated with traditional camping, which as we previously said, is defined with a tent. Mm-hmm. So if you got more than a tent, you are glamping. Which I know plenty of people will protest, but that is the definition of it. And I, I mean, come on, it is true. If you have a trailer, there's more luxury there than if you're in a tent. You've it's got more space. You have typically some sort of kitchen, typically some sort of toilet. It's not necessarily glamorous living, but it is nicer than having a tent. Yes. Yeah, well, that's the point, is that it's glamorous camping, not glamorous living. Yeah. It's just, it's a more, it's a nicer version of camping. Far more comfortable. Yes. You have a sink with running water. You don't have to worry about carrying a couple of gallons of water in with you. It's attached. It's in the trailer already. Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes you have a fridge or something. Yeah. You know, as opposed to an ice chest with ice that is rapidly melting. You've got walls that keep out the bugs. An actual bed. An actual bed. The temperature is pretty regulated. Yeah. It's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And again, there's a big range here because there are some really bare bones basic trailers. But then there's also... These massive RVs that are basically millionaire mansions on wheels. Yeah, I've seen like, some that are, like, they have two fireplaces. Yeah, I know. Or like, they how? have, like, a hot tub in there. Yeah. Or, like, this a jacuzzi. One of my yeah. parents' friends, they have Massage this, chairs. Yeah, massage chairs. My parents have these friends who, they're full-time RVers. So having them something a little bit nicer, more glamorous, totally makes sense. Mm. The kitchen in their RV has an island. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I was very surprised. Yeah. And so I definitely think that the more rustic trailers, like, we can still probably call that camping. Yeah. Even though it's not technically a tent. But I think the second you have a TV, it's not camping anymore. A proper TV, not the little... No, know. I think if you have a TV, it's not camping anymore. We used to have this, I don't know, maybe one square foot cubed TV that we would, like, bring into the camper and, like, strap down on a table while mm. we're, so my sisters and I could watch a movie while we were driving to the coast. Like, so I'm like, we, we brought the TV with us. It didn't come with a TV. I don't know. I, like, I do feel like the second that your trailer has a TV, it doesn't count as camping, camping anymore. Because the whole, to me, part of the whole point of camping is to get away from the digital stuff. And so if you bring that digital stuff with you, I feel like you're not camping anymore. We didn't watch it while we were out there. It was just to get us to the destination for the three kids. Yeah. And that's and that was fair. I mean, we had a, my, my mom's car had a TV built into it. But Sorry. do you disagree that like if you're watching movies at night instead of sitting around the campfire, that doesn't count as camping anymore? That's now glamping. That's, oh yeah. Completely glamping at that point. Yeah. That's, that's where I draw the line. Because, like, you can bring a trailer and, you know, have your trailer. I would still call it camping as long as it's still away from the digital stuff. Yeah. Which is van life glamping or camping? Uh, I think it really depends on how you do it. Because I know some people that have a van, they throw a mattress in the back of it and they call it van life. <laughs> Which, fair, you are living in your van. And I would definitely put that on the camping end of the spectrum. I had foam marble countertops and running water, and <laughs> I watched movies on my iPad and my... So I think I was more glamping than camping. The van life community is very interesting, because I don't think they consider themselves to be camping or glamping most of the time. They very much consider it to be specifically van life. And there is a huge culture around that of freedom, going where the wind takes you, not following a schedule, open-mindedness, the open road. it's more than just going for a holiday. 
Yeah, typically. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. And so there's a lot of, uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a big community. And I think there's a really big culture built in around that, which is, it's cool. I mean, there's van life conventions and stuff where van lifers will just commune. It's pretty fun. Also, a lot of glamping experiences incorporate unique experiences. So there's a resort that is proposed in the United Arab Emirates in the mountains there. There's like two mountains that are pretty close together with like a big gap in between. So they're building this floating retreat where the thing is suspended in between the mountains and they have these like fancy tents, basically. There's like a bed and a, you know, you have a private bathroom um, that they lower down to the ground and you get in and then they haul it back up into the air. No, thank you. <laughs> I think it's so cool for for them. For for the adrenaline. That doesn't sound like something I would want to do. I think it sounds really cool. But so there's that sort of thing. And then there's a lot of these like yurts and stuff like that where they have typically it's it's kind of like a canvas cabin where you do have a bathroom and you have a bed and you have some other like little, you know, nice amenities. luxuries, amenities. There are other, especially far up north where you can see the northern lights, they'll have, you know, camping experiences where you can stay in a glass tent. Like um, an igloo. An igloo yeah. type of thing. But again, these aren't like, they're definitely on the glamping end of the spectrum because they do it all up in furs and they give you the bed and they'll bring meals to you and things like that. So yeah, so they're it's really fancy. cool experiences and they're very unique and they're things that you wouldn't be able to do just camping. Like you're not going to be able to just camp in midair. Right. But you can glamp in midair. So it, there's the kind of distinction there where, yeah, it's more luxurious than camping, but it's also a completely different avenue and experience. And I know a lot of people, they really view the glamping as a completely different, separate form of travel because it kind of has this adventurous undertone to it. And it's not camping, but it's also not like traditional travel. Right. So interesting. Pros of glamping. It's typically more comfortable. Yeah. In some ways, you have more options because, like I said, you're not going to be able to camp in midair, but you can glamp in midair. And you generally have more support. There's somebody that's running this thing that is going to be able to help you or act as a concierge. Or if you get into trouble, there's people there. (laughs) Yeah. You're not totally on your own. Cons, it's typically more expensive. Though I did see there are some that are on the cheaper end of the spectrum. So it's a wide range of cost. You're not as connected with nature because it is on the more glamorous side. You got more amenities. Um, you don't necessarily, walls. you don't, yeah, you've got walls. You don't necessarily need to build a fire for warmth and food. You can mm-hmm. do that just for fun. And sometimes they have like pre-made fires like in fire pits for you. So yeah. you don't need to build it at all. Yeah. You are more limited on destinations because obviously you have to go to places where there is a glamping experience or if we're talking about like a motorhome or something, you have to go somewhere where there's hookups, uh, which a lot of campgrounds don't have those. Also, noise and light pollution is typically going to be a lot worse when you're glamping than if you're backpacking or camping because generators, <laughs> electric lights, <laughs> all those things that come with glamping. Yeah. So our recommendations for beginning glampers Prioritize your destination. Glamping is going to be more expensive, so make it count. Make sure that where you're going is somewhere that you're really excited about and that is going to be 
of the greatest value to you. Look at the amenities. There's a wide range of glamping experiences. Some of them are you know, closer to the more primitive, primitive camping than others. So look at what you're getting in that experience mm-hmm. and what it is you really want. What's mm-hmm. going to make you the most comfortable in your price range. Yeah. Because some people are, are like, you know, I really want to go camping, but I just would really rather have functioning bathroom, private bathroom. And you can definitely find experiences like that where you're basically camping, you just also have a bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) So what you need and what you want as far as amenities is important. Consider all of your options carefully and what will work best for you. There's a lot of different things to consider here. Is your glamping experience going to be once in a lifetime or are you thinking about a new lifestyle? Uh, You know, so are you going to stay at that suspended camping resort in the United Arab Emirates? Or are you going for van life? Do you just need a few comforts for your aging joints? Or do you want total luxury for your inner diva? (laughs) Are you looking for something that you will transport and set up yourself? Or something that will be ready upon your arrival? Do you want high budget or low budget? All things to consider when you're glamping, camping, and backpacking. Okay, we're going to close this out with just a couple more points. So second thing that if you take nothing out of this, nothing else out of this episode, please take this. Leave no trace is a policy that has been adopted for outdoor enthusiasts. And it's super, super important, guys. The idea is that nature is for everybody. We want to preserve it. So if you're going to go out and enjoy it, leave no trace behind that you were there. Yeah, and this goes across all of it. Camping, backpacking, glamping, hiking, hiking, kayaking, fishing. Yeah, whatever it is you're going to do, leave no trace. Leave no trace. Um, And there's seven tenets of leave leave no trace. First is plan ahead and prepare. The second is travel and camp on durable surfaces. So don't set up camp on something that's going to crumble and erode beneath, you know, because you were there. Or on top of, you know, plant life that is delicate and now won't be able to grow because you were camping on it for yeah. a while. Yeah. And in some places that's going to be unavoidable, but look for places where you're you're going to do the least amount of damage. Dispose of waste properly. And we actually wanted to mention here Castile soap as well, because Castile soap is natural and it's not harmful to the environment. Well, most of your soaps that you typically use at home are going to be. So when you go camping or backpacking, make sure that you bring and use Castile soap. It might, it, it's not going to, you know, have all the lovely things that you're used to using in your soaps at home, but it, it is going to protect the environment. Leave what you find. You can admire things where you find them. They're very pretty. Enjoy it and leave it there. Yes. Um, so that future visitors can enjoy it as well. Minimize campfire impacts. Please be careful with your fire. Highly recommend that you really learn fire safety before you go about setting, setting campfires. And make sure you pay attention to the fire danger levels as well. Because, you know, obviously if it's red high danger, you do not want to be setting a campfire. And make sure it is out completely. Like, you can't pour enough water on that thing. Mm. Like, you can put an entire lake on top of it and it still not be, like, out. Fully out. So be very careful with that. Mm-hmm. And make sure that there's there's nothing around the campfire ring that can catch fire either. Because sparks do fly. 
Respect wildlife. Seriously, guys, leave the animals alone. You went into their home. Don't go picking fights or killing bugs for no reason. Yeah. Well, and just stay stay away from the animals, too. Yeah. Like, especially the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see these videos of people at Yellowstone, like, approaching the bison. And it's like, don't, no. don't do that. It is a wild animal. Just observe from a distance. I know it looks like a big, fluffy cow. It's not. It's not a big, fluffy cow. <laughs> no. And you are a threat. Again, you've come into their home. Don't bother them. Just leave them alone. Take pictures, admire from a distance, and move on with your life. Yeah. Mosquitoes don't apply. Yeah. Um, you, you Slap those. Slap them. Slap, slap the mosquitoes. Yeah. Get them. <laughs> with um, extreme prejudice. Extreme prejudice. <laughs> Start mosquitoes. That just makes me think of Lilo and Stitch when yeah. please. Like, <laughs> the mosquitoes have accepted me. <laughs> and the last tenant here is be considerate of other visitors do not blast music on your Bluetooth speaker, guys. Don't do it. People go into the wilderness to enjoy the wilderness and the peace and quiet. So if you want to leave, listen to music, keep it quiet. Yeah. Honestly, this is something. You don't need to blast it. And maybe this is something that, you know, I do just because I have a little bit of extra, like, anxiety about the impact I'm having. I will walk out of my camp with my speakers on like in camp to see how far away the, tr- the sound travels. And mm-hmm. if I can hear it in what would be the next camp over, I make sure to turn it down. And I think that if you're in a in a big campground where everybody's, you know, hanging out in the evening and stuff and everybody's playing their music and it kind of overlaps in places and everybody can like, yeah, fine, whatever. But like if you're out backpacking, do not, do not play music loud enough that p- other people can hear it because it's it's not nice. And then the last thing that I wanted to just touch on here, I'm bringing, a, bringing it back to Teddy Roosevelt. Hey! Who Full circle. Our first national park. And there are now 424 individual unit units with 19 different naming des- designations covering more than 85 million acres in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and the U.S. territories. That is a ton of wilderness for you guys to go explore. And you can do it by glamping, you can do it by camping, and you can do it by backpacking. All three of those options are available at national parks. So I highly recommend the national parks because, hey, they're national parks for a reason. It's because they're stinking gorgeous. I love them. There's 63 parks currently. The rest of that 424 is is other the other naming designations. So national wilderness areas, national historic sites, things like that. All right, neighbors, thanks for joining us today. If you heard something you liked, please support the show by hitting the subscribe button and reviewing us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find takeaways from today's show in the show notes, and you can find more information about the podcast and show notes for each episode on carsoncosta.com forward slash podcast. Please send us your questions, comments, and suggestions. You can email us at nto at carsoncosta.com. Find us on Facebook at NTO pod, or find us on Instagram at next town over podcast. We would love to hear from you. We'll be back next week to keep making your world a little smaller.